Hello and welcome to Normal Mapping, episode 117. I'm your host, Em, and with me is my regular co-host, Jackson. It is the Halo episode. What is Pokemon 117? Master Chief. Do you know what Pokemon 117 is? I've, I'm, I know I've done it on a podcast already. Me, I also... Every time. <laughs> it's Seedra. New gimmick yeah. for abnormal mapping. No, fuck you. No, it isn't. It's not a gimmick for anything. You can't just do this whenever a number comes up. In any context. It has one specific context, and even them I'm annoyed. Whatever. You love it. You know it's good. <laughs> do it for the content. What's Digimon 117? There is no Digimon numbering system. Well, when I put Digimon 117, I got a Digimon, so... Well, I guess, what Digimon am I thinking of? It's <laughs> not a great premise for a bit, but let's go, uh, I don't know, uh, Seedramon. It's Terurimon. Yeah, what the fuck is that? Well, let me send you, let me send you an image. Oh, this must be the Lotmon evolution. I recognize this. Um, I want to know why it's 117. Uh, they, oh, they will put they are numbered. Of... They are numbered in Cyber Sleuth. Yes, apparently. yes, but they're, they're numbered in multiple games, but they just number them one to whatever in the game. Okay. It is not like fixed numbers in um, throughout games. Like Digimon World will have its own numbers. Cyber Sleuth has its own because there's never any like. Here's the thing. Pokemon fans got real mad when the number it when you couldn't put every Pokemon in the game. Digimon has never had all the Digimon in the game. Never worked like that. They're always sporadic across different things. In this one instance, the Digimon fans are chiller than the Pokemon fans. Digimon fans are usually chiller than Pokemon fans. Yeah. They suffer Pokemon the psychic fan? damage of b b buying into the franchise that no one gives a shit about. Yeah, and it sucks. <laughs> we were going to have a sequel show, and then your franchise to the sequel show killed it. Which, to be fair, seems like a much better show in every <laughs> respect. Well, fair enough. The, the current Digimon series, people seem to like it. I, uh, I'll i watch it one day. I'm not f interested in the idea of, oh, we did Digimon Adventure again, but it seems like it, you know they got the pre people, and it looks well animated. I'll watch it one day. Anyway, this isn't a Digimon podcast. Isn't it? It can be. It can be video. anything you want. This is a video game podcast. Tell me, what Digimon video game have you played in the past month? <laughs> in the past month? Well, I've played Digimon World 1 for the PS1. I haven't done that. That's a beloved game, isn't it? Uh, it is a beloved game. No one recommends you go back to it, but I always think maybe one day. It's, it's really obtuse and awkward, but people have a lot of affection for it because it's all about like manipulating the world state in order to get more Digimon on your team. There's no direct control. It's all like Monster Ranch, Monster monster Raising. Monster Ranch. <laughs> it's a different game. Uh, it's all Monster Raising stuff, which is all, but it's also a city builder game, and the city increases as you bring more Digimon to the, to the town. Uh, it seems cool. They made a remake of it later for the PSP, uh, which people like, but not as much, because in that game, the town's just a bunch of models that are there, and it doesn't build over time out of like pre-rendered blocks, so it's nowhere near as cool, even if it's a bit a little less fiddly. Um, okay. You had homework. Let's let's save that for a second. Did you play anything that wasn't your homework? Did I play anything that was my homework? I played some Kingdom Hearts 3. How's that going? 
um that's going fun i'm streaming that occasionally um i'm starting to stream on twitch f- f- yeah, a couple times a week nothing like Where's, what's the url for this twitch.tv slash headfuls off there you go you're a professional <laughs> professional got the got the name <laughs> god damn it uh and I'm, I'm playing through critical mode and uh i've decided to do that as content online this is my experiment streaming i have a shitty headset mic and i'm streaming from my xbox but uh that's what i got let's go it's been fun uh, that game's really fun on critical mode I've only, i'm only a little bit in but we've already had a couple fights that like start tough feel impossible i understand how the animations work and then i beat them and i'm like yeah i love action games you know classic action game kingdom hearts 3 i love skipping all the cutscenes. <laughs> you know what makes the Kingdom hearts 3 way more bearable that game moves so fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that, that's that's fun. I, I've also played some Silent Bomber for the PS One. Just getting into weird stuff. Apparently, that game's fantastic. Um, it that's a game where you it's from CyberConnect. PS One actually game kind of late. PS One's like ninety nine. Um, it's basically an arcade style game about placing bombs. Uh, on the floor while dodging enemies that are like shooting out uh, bullet hell patterns at you and then choosing when to activate them for big combos and hitting all the enemies in them it is you know building up your combo getting points one of those games uh it's just really cool it's just like damn i should be playing more video games <laughs> it's a good time uh trying to just um load stuff up and enjoy it whether or not it's like a project yeah fair enough that's it yeah, I mean, I you know, I've loaded up some other, you know, I was playing Castlevania earlier for no reason. Like I said, trying to just play video games like I used to, just load up a game for half an hour. Fair enough. I um I played uh Titanfall two again, um because it came out on FPS FPS Boost on Xbox, and so I played that at 120 frames per second the entire time. Uh, and going back to Titanfall two, which we covered in a previous episode, uh, was uh fun. But because I played like, you know, 50 hours of Apex in between, uh, Titanfall 2 was a weird experience in realizing why shooter people are the way they are in a lot of ways. Cause like, <laughs> I recognize all the guns instantly. I know which ones I like. And also, I'm not used to the enemies just standing there and letting me shoot them. I'm used to people like humans who run around and hide and try to kill you, like, effectively. And so just being able to like, fly around the room like running on walls shooting down at guys who just kind of stand there and let you shoot at them was like if if apex had smurf accounts that's what this would be and it was weird yes um i'm not even like great at apex like i am middling at apex but um it makes playing through a a campaign ludicrous uh i mean titanfall 2 is barely a um like it's not barely a shooter campaign the challenge in that game is never from pointing at enemies and shooting at them outside of the barest of boss fights mm. um well the boss fights are since they're all in the titans they're i just don't like them very much yeah but i mean that like in apex is a game where the you know because it's a multiplayer game the difficulty comes from point, lining the trigger off on guys and shooting on them before they shoot you mm-hmm. and uh titanfall 2 is about managing your health resource with how many shots you take uh, so you can do platforming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, game goes much faster when you uh, have already played it before and are good at this style of game now. Um, yeah. The 120 frames per second is like take or leave. I'm excited for it when it comes into the Apex eventually because it will be easier to see and shoot guys from far away. They'll move very smoothly, but 
I don't think it I don't think it matters that much for playing a video game single player. I just don't. Um I will definitely try it when it like whenever I get a screen that can do it, but I've no yep. idea when that'll be. I have no plan for it. Yeah. Um just being able to play it like, you know, 1440 or 4K60s way I think that is equally as nice as 120. Um they end up like kind of matching each other in terms of like how it feels to play to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not sensitive. I've gotten used to 60. I like 60, but I'm not sensitive to 120 really. Um, uh, it's fine. That's good to hear because I was worried that when I, if I saw 120, then 60 would feel slow, which I don't want because to me, 60 just feels smooth. What more could I want? I have never seen anything above 60. This is all I need. <laughs> it's nice. Uh, like, don't get me wrong. It's nice, but um, I just don't know if it's that nice. Um, but that could be, I mean, that's like to taste, right? Like some people don't feel the difference between, I, for a long time, I could tell you the difference, but didn't feel the difference between like 30 and 60. And that has changed recently as I play a lot of 60 FPS games, but. Yeah. Um, I used to, I, I'm now the like big gamer, 60 FPS person, but used to, used to not really care. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, I, I still think the level where you climb up the big tower uh, is the best level, but the level where you're going through the, we're assembling like the communities close second. Time travel thing does not even rate. Uh, I no. know that's when everyone cites, but it's just flashy. I don't think it's very good. Um, they're a cool. Like I think that's actually the best level combat wise, because like, I think switching between the two combat states is the best, like the most interesting idea in the game. When it comes oh, to I, I think the I think the assembling uh, the community level is the best combat stuff because you go from you you're like you have to platform into huge zones where guys are waiting for you, and it's really interesting. Sense. Yeah, no, it's all cool. It's all definitely cool. Um, but I that there are things going on in that time travel level beyond just the like flash of it. But I do think yeah. the reason it became the big one is because the level starts and says press X to time travel. Yeah, the stuff about like warping the dogs in to fight the guys is like vaguely interesting. But in the same way that like remember the DLC for Last of Us, you're like, damn, we factional battles is going to be like the future of this franchise. Then I, no one played two, so who knows if they actually did that? But I assume they didn't. <laughs> they did not do it in that way. Okay. Because that game's a whole other thing. Because yeah, I played Left Behind and was like, damn, I can't wait for the gameplay possibilities of The Last of Us 2. And then they spent seven years making a game that looks terrible and also just being a bad company that I hate. You know. Um, but yeah, Titanfall's fine. Um, I still prefer Apex as a video game. The thing with Titanfall is because the wall run is so focused, uh, like the slide and the run and stuff just aren't as fast as you get used to playing Apex. So I'm like, damn. Uh, yeah, yes, because the Titanfall is all about staying on the wall to maintain momentum. Yep. Um, we should play, I've been saying this for ages, but you have been resistant to it. Uh, we should play it like an, an evening of Titanfall 2 multiplayer. I want to see what you think. Yeah, just finding time. Yes. I mean, because yeah, we you know, we want to play Gears of War. We want to play Halo 5 at some point. Yeah, we got to watch some movies before we play Halo 5. Yep. But then whenever we're, whenever we're like free, it's like, we just play Apex, though. <laughs> yep. Well, actually, what I did instead is uh, also this month I played Dragon Quest V. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, Dragon Quest V was originally a Super Famicom game, came out in 92. Uh, I played the DS version, which came out in America in 2009. Um, and Dragon Quest V is probably the biggest Dragon Quest game in Japan. It's like that or three. Five is pretty big. Two. 
It um, might be it might be three, but it might be five. Those are I, yeah. I don't think there's any other one in contention there. Yeah, yeah. Um and Drunkos Five is the story of a hero that starts out as a child. Um and the three acts are like him as a kid going around with his dad and then him as a young man and you, you like pick a wife and get married uh, and then have kids and then something happens and there's a time skip and eight years later you and your kids are running around on an adventure in the third act and it's fucking great. Um, it's also the monster training game where you're recruiting monsters to fill out your party that is not your family members. Um mm. And it's just really good. Uh, Dragon Quest is hard to talk about because in many ways they are all the exact same um, and they're good in kind of very similar ways. But uh, five is great because the focus of the, is, is so much on like family unit and interacting with them. Um, party chat is really nice in that game because literally anytime you talk to someone in the world, you can at, like hit up your party and like your kids will have something to say about it. And your kids are adorable. Um and uh, that that part is just really charming. The game itself is just a solid RPG, you know? It took me like 25, 30 hours to get through it. I had a great time. It was not super hard. Um, I always recommend a Dragon Quest. It's good. Yeah. I've always liked Dragon Quest. I just uh, never made the time for them, and I'd like to go and fill in my gaps with Dragon Quest. That makes sense. It seems really cool. I've played, like, the first two. Yeah, I um I played 9 when it came out. That was my first one um, on the DS. And that game. One. Well, I mean, it, it was the one that Nintendo made a big push for that game, right? Like, it was, yes. it was DS was huge. It's, I think it's like the second best selling one in America behind Eleven now. So, um, it was a big fucking deal when Dragon Quest Nine came out. Um, and I beat that, and then they put out the other DS ones, and I played through four, and I played some five. But at some point, I thought I'd finished it. But going back to it, I clearly only played like the first half. <laughs> Um, and at some point had fallen off of it because I did not remember the back half of this game at all. Um, and I never played six. Um, if you would like to play this on DS, please hack your DS or three and three DS and play them that way because, uh, the carts are going for like a hundred dollars now. I don't know what the fuck happened. Yeah. I remember when I was looking into, because I bought, I think I bought the cart for four and I was like, I'll buy the cart for five and six one day. Um, and no, those, those are gone. Those are now collector's items to the extreme. Yep. It's very easy there's, to hack a 3DS, so please do that. There's videos from years ago about how fucked the market is when they're like a quarter of the price they are now. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, greatly enjoyed that. And then I also played Dragon Quest. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, yeah, King Dragon sends his regards. Uh, Drago Lord sends his regards. Thank you. Drago Lord. Erdrick. Lodo. Adric. <laughs> Lodo. <laughs> I played the Game Boy Color release, uh, which came out... Gosh, let me look this up real quick. Dragon. You've played this. What version did you play? I played the Switch version. Okay. Because there are many versions. Uh, they all seem compromised in some way. None of the English translations do exactly what I would like them to do. Yeah. Um, actually, well, they're, they're, but someone's done a NES translation that is the Switch switch from backported so if i was making the choice now i might do that but then the nest version seems awkward in a bunch of ways that um oh you mean you, you don't want to have to select to use the stairs I mean, I don't want to people. select to have to use the stairs if they could mod that out i'd be fine yeah. uh, <laughs> but even i old game connoisseur i'm like that that's a bit uh. anyway um uh see i put the switch version because all imperfect but i chose the one that would have the more consistent translation with the newer stuff mm. uh the issue like all the fan translations go back to like a lot of Japanese terms, which most of them come from before the Square Enix thing when Square Enix was like, okay, here's what Western 
Dragon Quest translation looks like. Yes. Uh, and there are choices made in the like Square's things, which sometimes they come down on what was traditionally a Dragon Warrior thing. Sometimes they change it to the Japanese thing. And so a lot of the old translations don't match up. And because there's a lot of references and later stuff, uh, and so much of Dragon Quest says, hey, remember Dragon Quest? I was like, I want to do the stuff that they'll be canon pulling from. Uh, so Look, if you, if you know that Erdrick is Lodo, you've got most of it down. <laughs> I gotta have got most of it down. Yes, I mean yes. That's the other thing is well, Dragon Quest Two is full of references to Dragon Quest One. You should play that like tomorrow, because I was playing Dragon Quest Two. I was like, I don't fucking remember any of this. No, I have, I I have other things to do. But well, by the time you get in Dragon Quest Two and you, they expect you to remember specific NPCs from the first game, you'll be like, who? Who? What are you talking about? Because I, I don't know if that's gonna be the problem. I think I'll be fine. It's not like a problem, but it is definitely written with the expectation that like you will recognize and know specific NPCs in the Dragon Quest world. And I recognize the- specific NPCs in the Dragon Quest world. All right. Well, let me know when you do too. How much you like recognize the stories of the Bard yes. and what have you? Uh, I do. Anyway, I um, play the Game Boy Color version, which looks great. I, I've always been like enchanted with its particular art style yes. is like a weird compromise. Well, it's not even a weird compromise. Anyway, this came out in 99 in Japan. Um, it's one and two uh, ported by Toze. Um, and it has like the, you know, you just press a button to open doors and you don't have to press anything to go downstairs. You just talk to, it's like a normal RPG. Um, it, you know, it has Draco Lord as dragon Lord and it's Lodo. And uh, a lot of stuff is compressed because of, character limits on the game by color but it is just goddamn dragon quest and it's a great time um and that game is so strange because like jrpgs just show up fully formed exactly how they've always been um hasn't changed one iota but also it is a tiny game that feels like the postmodern like minutes or half minute heroes in structure because it's so condensed um also a lot of zelda in this game that i was not prepared for the things it has, right, and the things it doesn't have are like, it has all of the sense of world progression that JRPGs had. They've actually kind of got rid of now, right? Like, the, this is a game about going to a place, leveling up uh, until you have enough numbers to go to the next place because you've talked to the NPCs and they've told you where to go. Uh, mm. That is like the progression of the game. And the stuff it doesn't have, which is the stuff that every JRPG has to the extreme now, even if they've like cut down the like world exploration stuff, is any combat. Like, it has yeah. combat, but it's all like very basic number stuff is your number bigger than the enemy's number there's only one party member it's just you versus one enemy there's no like sis- there's no combat systems and jrpg is now like the most combat systems heavy genre ever mm-hmm. yeah um but because of that it just it makes the adventuring f- like every time i level up, i'm like shit i'm gonna take down things way better now and every time i get a new sword or a new piece of armor i feel like my capabilities have like rapidly increased um in a way that i don't think a lot of rpgs capture very well outside of dragon quest because continues to be pretty good about this no i mean this is the like small number versus big number thing right yeah so, but to an extreme in dragon yes. quest one yes um but also the like you've got to find an object on the world map and you have like two clues to rub together to figure it out is like extremely zelda to me in a way that rpgs have completely moved away from yeah i mean this was the time when zelda was like an rpg right like not yeah the lines were so blurred that that was an acceptable thing to say yeah would argue about yeah yeah um yeah it was just really good i was really impressed by it i'm going to play two but i have two other games to get off my plate first before i can even think about it so yeah we've both got to play a 50 hour jrpg for next month 
I'm I'm like a good chunk into that, but yes. That's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my goal is to get through all the Dragon Quest I haven't played yet. Um, but that's like a couple years, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, thing to do. I mean, that's like a play one, wait three months, play another one. Yeah, it was really easy to just go to Dragon uh, Quest uh, 1 because that game is like 10 hours long. At the I, I think I'd be way less than 10 hours, actually. Yeah, that's a really um, short game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I know two's longer and then three on, they just get big. They're big games. Three seems wild. It's got like a full ass open worldness to it that uh, seems really intense. Three is strange in that I will probably end up playing the SNES version when I get to it because I know that it got a SNES remake that's like the beloved version. At yes, this that's point. the version I will be playing. But it, also playing that is going to rob it of like the fact that they did all this on a NES. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Dragon Quest Four is a NES game, which is always wild. Dragon Quest Four is a NES game. Yeah. Wild, wild yeah. stuff. Um, that game to me just always looks like the DS version because that's what I played. Um, and it's my favorite Dragon Quest. It's a really good game. Yes. But I can't imagine playing that on NES. And I've watched footage, like I've watched people play it and like it totally, everything is there. It's just weird. Yeah. NES games are wild, especially yep. the late NES stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's it for me. A lot of games, but that's, that's how I've been doing. And then, uh, in like a week or so, uh, on Journal Updated, I will be on their latest episode to talk about Tyranny. You can find that at the thesecondbestgame.club. Um, and I'm like halfway through Tyranny right now, but I don't really want to talk about it because I've talked about it there and I'm not done with it yet. <laughs> I don't know how Listen I feel about Tyranny. There's stuff I like, there's stuff I don't like. So, Listen to Journal Updated. Yeah, it'll be good. Go and listen to uh, their episodes of Mass Effect because Mass yeah. Effect is out. And... Um... They've they've already they've already said the last word. I don't know why everyone's talking about it. They, they nailed that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, we're gonna take a short break and we'll be back. And you can talk about your extra bonus homework. Uh, Jackson. Hello. Uh, you were tasked with playing a video game that we're not covering as like a full game club, uh, but you did play. That's uh, true. And that, that game is Gravity Rush, uh, developed by uh, Japan Studio uh, for the PlayStation Vita in 2012. You played oh, the PS4 re-release. Sony has a studio in Japan? Not anymore. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, this is the uh, 2012 Vita game. God, this game's nine years old. Yeah. That's weird. Um, we might as well say we're playing this because in, I think, September, uh, we are playing Gravity Rush 2 for a Patreon-driven game club. Um, so look forward to that. But I've I've played I played through 100% Gravity Rush on the Vita. I played through the entirety of the PS4 version when it came out. Um, I did not need to revisit Gravity Rush, and I didn't really want to do two game clubs on Gravity Rush. But you did have to play through it, so I was like, free content. We should talk about it. Yeah. Because uh, you're like, you need to play Gravity Rush before too. Don't you dare play them in the same month, because you'll just hate them. They're not that different. <laughs> uh, so you got to play this month. And I was like, all right, I'll do that. And then I um, got really hooked. This game's fucking great. It really uh, is. This is a game, uh, as all good games are, about having a jump button with an interesting mechanic and then collecting a bunch of orbs. Uh this is the universal thing that holds all good games together. Yep. Um, but like shift posting aside, like the the gravity shifting mechanic and the way it's implemented here is genuinely like it's really impressive, but in a way that is rare for video games. For like the the act you take that you do all the time to be so instantly impressive it is very nintendo but like without this is the thing that like japan studio does right is has all the like in uh initial obvious um i pick this up and i instantly understand why this is interesting hook of nintendo but without the modern nintendo thing where it all kind of feels sanded down and focus tested to like within an inch of its life mm-hmm. uh, and so the tension between how uh, incredibly intuitive, but also how deeply, uh, like, disorientating doing gravity shifting is, like, propels this game. It's really strong, because I'm like, oh, I can I can move... You can do some crazy stuff when you figure out how the movement works in that game. But also, even in the final mission, I'm, like, realizing that I have tilted my head 45 degrees, because I'm used to looking at a plane with a, like, flat horizon, and... Uh, that's the stuff that feels really good. It, it could easily, the mechanic of this game have been too much, uh, but they nailed it. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, that was, like, the thing, right? That was always the, um, that was always the, like, gimmick here, is, like, even from the initial idea before anything else is nailed down, they wanted to keep me back controlling gravity. It's originally yes. going to be a six-axis-driven game. Whoa! Um, Whoa! And, and they got information about the Vita, and they were like, ah, you know, motion controls. Yeah, and I mean, even those have been kind of transposed into the ps4 version yes and uh, the, the final the final version of that game does not have like intent it, it is not like a, an entirely like motion control driven game for the most part no but you can like splatoon-esque move the controller to help do large movements yes um in a way that i just found annoying because i've uh, i and know they're, how, they're like, how you turn in the gravity slide at least in the vita version i don't remember the ps4 version uh you can do both okay they are the main. They are the only way to do gravity slide in the Vita version. Oh no! Oh no! That's 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 extremely. We've launched the handheld. Please use all the gimmicks. Yep. Um, no, it's not. That's luckily not how it is here. Uh, but all the movement stuff is fantastic. Um, the game's very short, and built around like you get to an area, you have a short mission, um, and then a new area unlocks, and then there's like some more missions there, but there's mostly 
to me at least about the moment when you get to a new place and then you like get to explore and get all the orbs and then i do like a few missions pretty quickly then i get a new area and i get to explore that and get all the orbs yeah um it's perfect and... for a, a handheld game you're going to like put down after 30 minutes like you can feel like you accomplished something very short absolutely yeah it's it's really good at that stuff because the missions are never too long uh the missions aren't that complicated and in fact as like the worst part of the game is how um as it goes on you get like way too much combat that's really boring because uh, the combat's kind of like really simple and doesn't have the complexity for how it is utilized later on which sounds like a mean complaint but also that is 99 percent of video games do this yes <laughs> um so i don't hold it too much against gravity rush every game ever has too much boring combat in the back third that's yeah. just video games <laughs> yeah uh, absolutely the movement's always good. Uh, it had more areas than I expected. Like, uh, you unlock uh, the whole city, and then there's still two more, like, refreshes of the orbs. You, there's a whole other area, and then it refreshes the orbs in the main city later. Uh, and I was like, damn, I didn't expect all the... I, I thought once I had the whole city, that was it. Yeah, um, no. They know what you want, which is fly on the underside of large structures and be like, what's down here? Awesome orbs. Damn. Yeah. I should That's play games. Crackdown. I should play Crackdown. You should play Crackdown and I should play Banjo-Kazooie. These are the things we should do. <laughs> yes. Because, like, I've, this, I've game is, this game is explicitly inspired by Crackdown. Like, the, he played Crackdown was like, damn, I want to make a game like that. Wait, really? <laughs> yes. Because I'm like, this is like Crackdown, but what if someone was like, actually, who, who understood movement really? Play- I like Crackdown a lot, uh, but they don't quite know what they have, as evidenced by every direction the, sequ- the sequels go. Mm-hmm. This game knows exactly what they have. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I didn't know that this was literally Crackdown because I thought it was like, oh, you know. Yeah, the, um, the, ori- the original, original concept was that this was going to be, because he was pivoting out of like horror games. That's the thing that Toyama is mostly known for. He did Siren and Silent Hill and whatever. Um, and um, it was going to be like a game in which like there were like puzzle rooms that had a gravity manipulation mechanic. And they were like, what if we just made the whole game about the gravity manipulation? That's the thing people like. And then when they put that in open world, it's like, well, what do we do? And Crackdown was the thing they fell on. That's the right choice. Yes. Um, it's also based on Hancock as the in the way she moves. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, that's cool because like Crackdown is like a cool game, but it's also one of the few like... <sighs> Crackdown when it was came out, and this is hard to get across where games were at this point, was pitched as like, this is from the original creators of Grand Theft Auto. Not uh, the- It was actually pitched as, here's the demo for Halo 3. <laughs> okay, Crackdown, outside of the fact that the Halo 3 beta was with it, was pitched as, this is the original uh, creators of Grand Theft Auto, and... Um, as such is a true sandbox game the way Grand Theft Auto is going now is it's all cinematic missions and you know that one mission that one video where Vinny tries to do anything and the game goes shut up stop it yeah my favorite <laughs> my favorite Grand Theft Auto is still Chinatown Wars which is a stupid game about like playing drug wars in the middle of top-down shooting at galleries and so Crackdown is like uh all about like it's all open and the orbs there's the thing people remember is the most effective part because you just you know explore the space and get orbs which allows you to explore the space better Mm -hmm. uh the other design elements also try to do this but nowhere near as effectively as just orbs Mm -hmm. uh like you can attack any boss at any time uh but the if you just do them in order it'll like you know uh you kill the guy that makes the cars so when you assault the base it doesn't have cars etc 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 oh mega man x yeah Mega, mega man x um and this game, I, I guess, is like that, but like 
they took out they, they they still kept the linear missions of regular open world games it has fairly straightforward like objective marker based missions but uh once the world's open it's just go go find some stuff there's no there's like uh races right uh and there's a couple side missions but really it never tries to like railroad you outside of like short story missions hmm uh, which yeah. is good but also, apparently, every sequel's bad. So, um, well, yes. I mean, that, that's cracked. I was, I'd already put it to Gravity Rush, but yes. Yes. No, I know. I uh, just, just think about Crackdown. Yeah. But yes, no. Gravity Rush for me is all about like one, the music and aesthetic is great. Like it's, it's like such a p- specific like, you know, anime Europe, but like influenced by comic books and not like anime. <laughs> I mean, like the the anime Europe is so specifically we made a Miyazaki thing. But then they go like to like one step further and take it to like we just want actual European comic book influences here. Yeah, um, I mean, like this is based on like the Fifth Element and the Inkle. Like, yes. those are the things they're pulling from. Like the way cities are drawn. Like Miyazaki would never, could never. Uh, no, but like the the plot and like the way Cat interacts with the world is all yes. Miyazaki movie stuff. Yep, but um. And also the like sense that when you are flying, like there is very little grace to her as a character. She's just fucking falling in whatever direction you've pointed her at. Yes. And it's incredible. Like the way she tumbles through the air is just one of the best like character animation bits. The way she she uh, tumbles, the way her animation shifts as you make changes through the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like that's the stuff that's super impressive. Yeah. And it's obviously the stuff that I imagine, like, the first year of this game is just blank box designing that one interaction, because yeah. that is the game. Yep. That's, like, the Mario 64 outside the castle of Gravity <laughs> Rush. Yes, absolutely. Gotta get it, gotta remember, remember to give her a scarf that always points down, so you know where the hell down is. Yep. Always have a button that can make you just fall down at an instant, and yeah. then which you'll get so used to pressing that one time you'll press it when you're when you think down is not down, and you'll just fall over. Yeah, it's, it's great. Good. That stuff's yeah. so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just really it's really good game. Uh, Story is also pretty good. If you just make Spider Man, people like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, she's she's just struggling and doing her best. Yep. What if Spider-Man was a mysterious girl who fell from the sky? <laughs> yeah. I, it's it's good. Like, I mean, like bringing in, um, like, you know, very uh, transparent magical girl stuff into uh, a more European-influenced superhero format works really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the cat's just like a great character. All of all of her interaction with the people in the world are great. I like uh, the cop guy. I like the fortune teller. Um I like, I even like Alias who, <laughs> in one, I'm going to spoil a bit here. So there's a, there's a guy called Alias who is like the master thief who has a really cool design and he's like, shows up a couple times and you have to fight him. His death scene is hilariously brutal. Do you remember this? <laughs> no, I, I do not remember this. So you, you, you have his boss fight and then he like falls and then he falls like further and rum- like tumbles into the trash compactor of the factory, which crushes him. And oh then, god! And then he, and I'm like, okay, is he? Do I have to go down and like talk to him? It was no, he's just oh, he's he's just dead for he's dead dead. Okay, then we're just done with that now. All right, it was sick. very strange. Sick, sick, sick. It was pretty sick. Um, but yeah, it was the the world's great. The music's fantastic. Every time you get to a new town, you get like 
or new sector of the town and it has like you know you go to the uh uh like um pg-13 cd section mm-hmm. and it's got that uh cool cool music going it's fantastic yeah. stuff yeah uh Tanaka, famous for gunbuster pat labor g gundam oh really yeah yes. okay they got someone who knew exactly what the fuck he was doing. Yeah, also the composer of Soccer Wars and Residents of Fate, so. <laughs> if those are your thing. Residents of Fate will be my thing one day if I ever play it. Yeah. I'm going to play it and then be like, this is bad. This is what's going to happen. It's hyped up too much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's just a really strong game. I was I was tempted to replay it, even though I played it twice. I did not, but definitely the compulsion was there. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited for Gravity Rush 2. There's a lot of things that I was playing at, like, if they actually ha- are ha- given the time to make a console game out of this, this could get, like, they could make the combat a little better, mm-hmm. uh, slightly more involved, because you do a lot of it, and it, it's mostly just lining up the thing and pressing square over and over and over and over again. Yep. There's... We'll get to the second game. The, it does not it does not fix everything in the way you'd ex- you'd hope it would, but it's it's better. Yeah. Uh, I, um, I mean, I have no idea what the development is like on that second game, because it's like, I think it's the last game Japan Studio made that wasn't like a helping someone else situation. Yep. Don't worry, they knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Fair enough. Because this first game definitely has a, this is the first part of a whole series that could last forever. The second game's like, nah, we got one. <laughs> um, this game, like, I won't talk about plot stuff because I think people should play it. Uh, but don't expect anything from the ending from like any resolution or any anything like makes you really excited for a sequel yeah i'm like oh i'll see where this is going but the game just ends like credits just roll and you're like wait that's the end of the video game um which is the most like 2012 this is a new franchise way to do it possible um it's not a bad story it's like just just like has a it's just very open (laughs) in a way that caught me off guard yeah um there's one more thing I was saying. Oh, so the PS4 version, is that on Plus? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't think so, but it might be. Okay. I didn't know if it was part of the... Because the, maybe 2 is part of that Plus collection that you get on PS5. Oh, PS anyway. Plus collection games on PS5. Let's see. No. I could just be totally wrong. Yeah, none of them. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the PS4 version regularly goes on sale, I feel like, um... Mm-hmm. For reasonable amounts. Don't try to get a disc copy. They didn't make very many of them. They're very expensive. <laughs> yep. um, the Vita version, if you hack your Vita, is a perfectly fine way to play play it. Uh, it plays at 30. The PS4 version plays at 60. Guard Rush 2 is a 30 FPS game, so... Annoyed about that. Uh, well, they made it look way better, so it runs way worse. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to see how Gravity Rush uh, 2 looks, but it... Even on a like big TV, I think Gravity Rush One looks amazing, especially yeah, yeah, in yeah. any of the moments where like you're on the train between like city areas, mm. and they've just like the way of doing detail management is anything with a long enough distance is just rendered in like lines and yes. watercolor shading. That is it that's how they fantastic. that's how they got away with the Vita game looking the way it does, and it it even on the Vita it looks incredible. There's nothing on the Vita that looks like that. Um, it is the one game I think that makes good the promise of Vita. It's like, we're going to make console-style games that still work in a handheld space, which is a thing Sony is famously really fucking terrible at. This is the one. Right. They did it. Because this is coming out alongside a fake Uncharted game. Yes. Like, uh, yeah. You, the 
the, the like big budget Sony third person design does not suit itself to this stuff in the way that Japan Studio knows how to make one of these games. Tragic! They were never allowed to make Ape Escape Four. Nope. What's Ape Escape? Is that about never. a dad? Never mind. Get rid of it. <laughs> Throw it out. Fire all those people. Uh, but that's Scarty Rush. Scarty Rush. Yeah, it's really good. I had a great time. Very excited to do the second one. game club then this month uh, as previously announced is max Payne 2 the fall of max Payne, uh, the remedy developed rockstar games published shooter that came out in 2003 uh, the sequel to max Payne, which we did an episode on way back in the day we will post that in the notes of this episode so you can check <laughs> that episode's that good i didn't revisit it <laughs> so i, mean, I couldn't either. tell you we Could watched the movie you. also as part of that which uh i remember thinking it was really bad so that, no that that's still a terrible movie that's yeah. definitely true he does leap out the window at that big like gargoyle monster that one time that's pretty sick no gargoyle monsters in this game yeah no i mean max Payne one had like one drug trip and one moment where you're like is this gonna be about cults and no it's not actually it's boring <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Max Payne's a good, fun game, but Max Payne 2. Jackson, what's the plot of Max Payne 2? Oh, God, I played it like three weeks ago. This is I'm in your position now. We're both in your position. <laughs> okay, I can do this, I guess. Max Payne 2 is two years after the first game. Max Payne, uh, after, you know, going and, like, doing an uh, extrajudicial killing for a secret society in the first game, <laughs> is a cop again because <laughs> they got him his job back at the NYPD. Um, and uh, he gets involved with uh, uh, Mona Sachs, who is alive after she fake died at the end of the first game. Um, and the Secret Society and a bunch of characters that you probably don't remember from the first game, including uh, Vladimir Lem and Vinny Gogniti, um, people who just fucking suck, 
uh, that have created this like weird like Cold War. Actually, it, it is it is now a hot war between the mob and the the secret society, and you've been thrust in the middle. And also, Mona's like not telling you everything, and your new partner, who is like clearly the most evil woman cop in the world, is clearly on the take with the secret society. They don't even try to hide it. No. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you and Mona have to team up and, uh, you quote unquote team up, uh, while doing so. And you take her aside and shoot your partner and you're on the lamb and it's a bad time. And turns out that, uh, Vladimir Lem has been doing this whole thing, setting this up, uh, hiring Mona Sachs to like destabilize situations that he could take control of the inner circle and be part of the secret society and own it. Um, and Mona can't kill Max. And so she gets shot and quote unquote dies. Um, and Max fucking murders everyone else. The end. The end. Uh, uh if, if you, if you play on the highest difficulty, it is revealed that Mona does not actually die, but it implies that I've read the difficulty. She's fucking dead. That's, that's not how I read that. Okay. I mean, she doesn't die in the highest difficulty, but I didn't read that as a true ending situation. Yeah, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? She dies in this game. They put that there as like a bonus thing. Eh. She is definitely dead at the end of this game. Eh. None of it matters because Max Payne 3 is made by different people and nobody counts it, so. Yeah, yeah. I, and I mean, like, it doesn't go. I don't know if she's in Max Payne 3. Uh, is she in Max Payne 3? Have I have no idea. But no one counts Max Payne 3 as, like, the sequel to this game, even no, people no. who like it, so. I think to say that the uh, ending stuff in this game is the same as like a secret hard difficulty true ending thing is um, just a little unfair to like the way the game is written, which is clearly the most earnest noir shit imaginable. She is so dead. This is the, the Sam Lake wants to kill her. <laughs> Sam Lake does not want an alternate ending where you like save everyone. Um, Sam Lake wants sad Max Payne walking off into the night. The uh, the important the most important thing before we get into this is Sam Lake is no longer the face of Max Payne and it's zero it sucks. out of ten. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Instead, they get a, an actual ass actor who Timothy Gibbs to be the face and uh, the of the three D model now a three D model not just a texture slapped on a man uh, figure <laughs> and also the Max Payne that's in all the comic book uh, cutscenes uh, downgrade IMO. Uh, yeah, no, they, it's no longer just, like, clearly guys from Remedy dressing up poorly. Yes. That is only for the television stuff. But uh, because they get real, act, quote unquote, real actors this time, uh, the cutscenes are even more ludicrous because it's not like they change the way they're written. <laughs> uh, no. I mean, so they do change the way they're written, but only slightly. Sam, like, goes and does, like, an intense screenwriting course between these two games. Yes. And so uh, Max Payne, which is a sprawling kind of like disaster held together. I don't mean that as like a bad thing, right? It's a sprawling game held by the thread of this like generic uh, uh, premise, but it goes in a million directions and then ends up in like the place it does. But there's the bit where it's like briefly about, you know, drug trip demons. And oh, is this a nightclub occult situation? Is he? Is this about to get supernatural for real? We're going to get blue guys? Um 
And none of that stuff's in this game. This is the most like, okay, I have sat down with a cockboard. I have plotted out the three-act structure. Every single event has a like foreshadowed or an echo in the other events. All of the things come into one like uh, conflict and one climax that expands everything. Uh, it is much more well plotted in the like screenwriting class sense but it definitely loses a lot of the like madcap amateur charm of the first game yeah no that's fair but i do think like the thing with max Payne one is that it's like a it is like a weird interesting experiment this game is like three really well plotted action films that you play through in yes. a way that like is really remarkable honestly like uh, like I wasn't like super enthused going into this. I'm like, oh, more Max Payne. But like the way that this game flows, I feel like going through it just feels like it has such great inertia that it's very easy to just sit down and like plow through an entire act in a single sitting. I played it in two or three sittings. Um, this this game has an like a real energy. Uh, I I mostly loved it. Yeah, no, no, I I uh, I think I like it less than you, but I also thought it was really good. So. Um, like the the biggest change, uh, I I don't think this is well. Okay, this was not well communicated in the game, but that's also unfair because I'm sure it is well communicated in the manual, which they knew you would read because this game came out in 2003. Yeah. Um, is they've completely changed the way bullet time works. <laughs> uh, in that, um, killing guys and like going headlong into combat it'll kind of like extend your bullet time meter yes it's so sick and so it is so much easier to be aggressive in this game max Payne one was a got really fiddly and hard especially in the end and you were like you know didn't have like cover uh and it was all hit scan weapons so you couldn't play it like doom or something mm-hmm. um and you'd have to just kind of like unless you were i guess super mlg uh be really slow and awkward and quick save a lot and uh max Payne 2 i was like i died a few times it wasn't like not hard at points uh but it definitely felt so much more manageable um outside of like a couple of specific areas yes Uh, definitely a game they want you to finish yeah yeah for sure uh and that part's really remarkable to me because so much of the game uh just, uh, I don't know, like, I remember, like, going on that blood platforming stage in Max Payne, how fucking oh, annoying it was, <laughs> and, so annoying. like, the length of, cl- like, I think the final area in Max Payne's, like, interesting thematically, where you climb a big tower and get up to the top and fight someone, and that part, I always like storming a high rise, it's good, but, like, it was a big pain in the ass, and this game just doesn't, outside of, like, one notable sequence where I think the game is, like, outrageously way too difficult, um, <laughs> Uh, I, this game just flows really well. Like, and you go through, it's also like willing to reuse areas, but in interesting ways. Like you go through the fun house, like three times, three times. And it's like in radically different contexts each time. You like go through most levels multiple times. Yes. Um, to the point where I'm like this feel, I, I can't tell how they made the game, but, uh, Max Payne, uh, one is famously took, took them five years, like kind of a scope disaster. Uh, they reuse stuff, but in a way that feels awkward. This feels like they're like, okay, they sat down, they said, rather than <laughs> cutting a bunch of levels towards the end and having to scrape a game out of it, what if we planned from the start to only have a certain amount of levels? How could we best use them and reuse them? Uh, and it feels very coherently structured. None of the times where you go back to a place feel like they're reusing a place to pad out the game. 
the funhouse levels are like as you say like remarkable standards i think they're all fantastic the first time you go through there there's not even any combat there uh you just go through this like fake uh uh like it's a funhouse recreation of a dress unknown which is their fake twin peaks in the world mm-hmm. um but it functions basically as like working walking through a fake video game like you know enemies pop out but they're cardboard right it's one of those it's very uh does the meta stuff that remedy is known for uh but i think it does it really well um i think it's mostly uh tongue-in-cheek in the way that doesn't feel uh super like it's not trying to be like this youth ever you think this is like a video game man <laughs> kind of like uh annoying about it yeah uh, it's just very fun yeah absolutely it was just very surprising to me because um like i said my memory of max Payne is a game that's like interesting despite itself in a lot of ways <laughs> um and also, like, remember in Max Payne, we had to fight through, like, the the parking garage where it's just, like, infinite guys coming at you? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> this game is so much better about, like, pacing on stuff and giving you moments where, like, you'll come on guys who are talking and, like, just kind of waiting for you. And there's a bit, like, very late in the game where you come on, you go downstairs in this house and there's, like, some guys just playing piano. Like, one guy's just playing a piano, the other guy's listening to him. And you can just sit there and watch him play for, like, a minute and a half. And I definitely did. And it was great. I love that stuff. Yeah, that that extremely becomes like an influential thing, mm-hmm. um, and it was around in games before this, right? But that's definitely yeah, yeah. like one of the ways in which this game really gets a lot of usage out of building character. Uh, it is very rarely used for um, the thing that can be useful, right? When like you walk past two enemies and they're like, "Oh, hey, did you know the boss has the thing upstairs? The 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 code is four three two. Um. It's uh, much more just like because there aren't any puzzles in this game. The level design exists to uh, like funnel you through action separateses and you know kind of like Max Payne One. I don't remember that game having puzzles. I think it's it's a pretty pure shooter, um, and uh, it just flows really well. I like uh, I like all the sh- I like all the shooting. I never had to turn the difficulty down. Never had to like get into like too much quick saving. Um, all the way to the end of the game, I was enjoying the part where uh, you play a shooter, and I did not expect that because this is a third-person shooter from 2003 that's only on the PC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that stuff made it a uh, great fun. Uh, I just like diving in and shooting guys was more fun in this game than it was in the, in the first game. Um, yes, it's hard to beat. Um, story. Also pretty good. I, I'm surprised how much I liked it. I don't like the last like half hour, but I do like the rest of it. I still liked the. I like the thing the whole way through. I think the uh, mostly freeing Max Payne from the bullshit around his family is good. So it just allows him yes. to be like a noir hero with uh, the Mona stuff. Yes. the the first The first you know seventy five percent of this game is extremely feels influenced by Sin City in a way the first game did not. Mm-hmm. Um, just doing like a broad pastiche of like you, the anti-hero in like such an epic sense of like writing that it's hard not to like just invest in. Like, it's not about how hard it is for Max to be a cop on the lam who's going to shoot other cops. It's just a thing you embrace and enjoy. Uh, I mean, the writing in this game is absolutely like trying to play up the mythic ideas of this kind of genre. Yes. Um, because it knows that like, it knows that Max Payne is like this tortured earnestly is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so instead, it invests in every figure as like this huge battle. <laughs> um, it's great. All of that stuff's really good. Uh, I like the reveal about the um, 
the secret service stuff because it starts out and you're like helping Lem uh fight the gognities because uh, they're trying to like get in on the gun trade and then you realize oh this is a proxy war uh f- on behalf of certain secret society members this one goes all the way to the top and then the thing you actually realize is it, it does but not in the like conspiracy sense of the first game the the inner circle are just having a war there's no there's no like mastermind it's just people being shitty and fighting each other uh which is just like a good noir conclusion to like the way to do the sequel of the first game is um everyone sitting around the table making decisions and the uh, second game is everyone killing each other yep yeah and then, uh, you know, the last half hour, Max Payne remembers he has a family, and the, the cutscene's like, oh, Mona dying is much like when his wife died. I'm like, fuck out of here. I don't care. Um, the thing, so you're right. Like, it is definitely not the part that is, the, like, necessarily the most impactful. It's bad. Uh, In fact, it's bad. It's, I think the Mona stuff is good. I think it's mostly good. Like, uh,. It is remarkable how good I think the Mona stuff is when it's also hilarious. There's a there's a sex scene like two thirds of the way yes, into the game. That Mona stuff is great. The very end where he ties this back into his tragic backstory that has not been brought up once. <laughs> What's the whole game? It's just I just I just like nodded and like, that sounds like some Max Payne stuff to me. Uh once again I am alone. What was he going to do? Not bring up his family at that point? The the ridiculous sex scene where him and Mona are like, they're in the middle of a mission, just like fucking a warehouse or whatever. And it's very like PG 13 about it um, with the way they like draw the actors. I assume they had to like, I assume they like took, like just drew over pictures of people like acting it out. That seems how these are. These are like photographs that have had effects. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so they had to actually do it. So of course it's embarrassing and awkward. Um, but it has such an energy of like Max Payne's just going to go for it. He's going to be the character who actually gets the girl and is not moping about his dead wife. And there's like something celebratory in how stupid it is. And so to just wrap it back around to like Mona dying reminded him of the other tragedy of his wife and child who also died. Valkyr. Remember Valkyr? And I'm like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> I do, but I, mean, but I hate it. I mean, that just was like generic construction stuff to me, right? Like, the the this, the ridiculous stuff exists in the early parts so that there can be the tragedy of her dying at the end. That is like what the game's about. I don't like it. I think. It's, I mean, I think, I, I think it's. I think it's. The problem is not that it's like unreasonable. In it's very in line with the genre. I just think that it's like a downer. That like, I think it's less inspired than a lot of the rest of the game. Is all. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I definitely think it's like Pat because yeah. it's trying. It's trying to be very clever here. Yes, because um, uh, murder dying is obvious and everyone knows that. But the thing they tried to do in this ending is uh, the twist is that uh, Winterson, the other cop, um, was uh, like Lem's boyfriend, uh, Lem's girlfriend, mm-hmm. and so in killing, uh, like killing. Lamb killing Mona is like revenge for him killing Winterson, and they've both done the same thing to each other. Aren't we so similar, you and I? <laughs> type stuff. Uh, I think that stuff is like a little unnecessary. Um, I I liked it way better when Max was just hit out here shooting cops, not shooting representations of like uh you know the women that represent different nobilities in his life. But mm-hmm. that is once again just what the genre is. So I didn't I didn't really like mind it necessarily yeah anyway the thing that really matters is that the middle part of the game has a whole extended sequence where mona has to babysit max with a sniper rifle and it's fucking miserable 
It's fine. It's fine. It's so uh, bad. So I died a couple times, especially in, in the very first bit when you the have to. The first bit like, is definitely the worst. Figure Max, out how it works. Max takes like four hits and he goes down, and you're just up there on the like a like side of this building trying to shoot guys. Like, where are the guys? Like, everyone is brown on brown. I can't see shit. Once I figured it out, it was fine. I just like pointed the gun at the guys and shot them. And if you're zoomed in, you, like the movement of on the zoom in is weird, so you have to zoom out to find the guys, and then zoom back in. It's just really clumsy in a way that like, sn- like sniping has a reputation in video games for a reason, or for being for weirdos, because a lot of old games that had sniping and it was bad about the sniping. I'm not here to say it's one of the better levels of the game. Uh, I was willing to look past it because I think the formal conceit of the way it cuts between Max and Mona is, like, really cool. It is, it is, but the actual gameplay part sucks. Yeah, I get it. I'm not going to make defenses. I I thought it was fine, but, uh, you know, I struggled a bit on the first bit and then figured it out. um... Also, that level involves you running between, like, the same three points on indistinguishable hallways of under-construction office complexes for, like, 30 minutes. (laughs) It is the least interesting level of the game visually, as you're just in, like, a construction yard. Yes. Um, And all of the, like, levels are the same, and everyone's just the same, like, white construction walls. Yep. Oh, here's another pile of girders and sheet wall. Like, who gives a shit? (laughs) And and that was like in both the Max and Mona parts. That was the level where I most frequently got turned around. I was like, "The fuck am yes. I going?" Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and like repetitious environments are not like Maxine's problem. There's a great part where Max's apartment building gets stormed, and you have to go through it. But like they use the other people in the apartment to like signpost what floor you're on in a way that's really interesting and good. Like there's an old lady who like shoots a guy who comes into her apartment, and then hands you her extra shotgun that she has lying around. That bit's really good. It's really good. Um, there, it's I mean, not even that it's an escort mission because an escort mission in the third act where you're escorting um what's that guy's name uh gognini gognini and he's wearing a giant inflatable mascot costume that's like also rigged to explode it's ridiculous yes and then there's inevitably a part where the pathing will break and you will have to literally push him through a door <laughs> yeah because video games yep um, but that stuff's really incredible, um, and I like that stuff a lot. So that's, it's that's you know fun. it's weird uh, playing as Mona. There's like a great part where like after all that stuff, you play as Mona one last time, and she's just fun as a character, just gunning men down over and over again. Um, I feel like her levels always feel like more of a combat puzzle than Max's do because they start her with such specific weapons. Yes, because with Max, like you keep your. Uh items and health and ammo and everything between you only get reset at the end of every act yeah uh, and with mona she's used so little that it's like okay she's got like this much health this pistol with this ammo um when you first switch to her you've got like basically everything with max and she's got like a sniper and a pistol yeah yeah but uh it's cool so it's a it's a it's a good game. I don't know. Like I'm down on the ending, but like I had a great time. I was really surprised at how much I liked it. I want to play Max Payne three someday, but I know that's a whole other thing. I'm just curious about it. Lords and ladies, still coming through. Um, what's the fake Twilight Zone? That's just it's just oh. Alan Wake in this game. Like it was almost there last time. It's just there now. Um, shit. What's the name of it? <laughs> I'm giggling it. Uh. Address unknown is Twin Peaks. Yeah. yeah, no, address unknown. That's what I'm thinking of. The address unknown literally is is Alan Wake. 
Well, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because they're dressing down as like the can- like they're like, oh, this was big, and then it got canceled. It's yeah, like- they just they just found it. Like th- th- it's already here. Uh, there's there's Lawson ladies. There's Captain Baseball Bat Boy, Dick Justice, yes, <laughs> and uh, Max Heat. Yep, they're good. All that stuff's really funny. I wish I wish the game had a few more like just environmental like interaction stuff. It's it's all very fun when they do that. There's a bit where you're in Max's like or you're in the like precinct office and it's like fully mall and you can walk around and stuff. And there's guys in the break room like watching television and uh, there's like a air conditioner that has a button that says do not touch and if you touch it it breaks and they yell at you and it, I just that want more of that so stuff. That's so good. <laughs> yes. The 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 thing is that I agree. Um, I I would also like like more, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, uh, this game is like famous for being interactable, and it is also in the era where that was still a thing. Video games even bothered to try to like pretend to do. Yes. Uh, this is like a very late nineties, early two thousands PC thing of those know, havoc physics Coke cans come out of that machine every time you press the button. <laughs> Right, it's stuff like that. You go up to light switches and you can turn them on or off. Yes, like interactability is just not seen as interesting, in um, or interesting is the wrong word. It's not a selling point, right? Because like now, interactivity is uh, at least in big games very expensive. So yeah. you have like a really detailed, modeled but static world that you can interact with in highly specific ways. Yes. Uh, the, thing, the, video- the thing with the Max, the Max Payne's idea of interactivity, though, is that so much of it is like showing off their engine and uh, like physics stuff, and not hit this button and then some sparks fly and guy like it's not guys yelling at you it's the character beat that 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 one interaction has that most of them don't that i think is like the thing that this game should have more of i wish it leaned into being like textually a comedy a little more i agree because it it is and it knows it's a comedy like remedy have always done this but they've always also like walked this line right like control the serious game alan wakes uh, Alan, <laughs> Wake. Alan Wake is a very self-serious game in a lot of ways uh, but Control having played that that is a serious game the, yes. like, the comedy in that game comes from playing the seriousness up I think Control is kind of bad as a story I, think I haven't, it, like, I haven't loses... played it I want to though I'm curious what you think of it but I definitely think the uh, well my, my bigger complaints about it are like the guns have le- like imagine if Max Payne had levels and missions and you had to like get loot and gear <laughs> um that's yeah. my biggest like complaint of how video games change in the time between those two games, uh, but I do think the story is um, it's just uh, it's just worse. It doesn't have like the character stuff that I invest in. It doesn't. It's not goofy enough or serious enough. Nor does it uh, answer the questions that I have. Well, this is my issue with with um, Alan Wake and Control uh, that Max Payne doesn't have right because Max Payne is all genre and thus. I am not like asking questions about what's going on in its world. And both Alan Wake and Control love to put lore around the outside that is not what the game's about. And so you're just sitting there going, when's the game going to be about the interesting things? And it isn't. But Max Payne's just about, about a sad cop. It doesn't doesn't have any of like the like, oh, we're going to get into the nature of the world type stuff. No, nope, never. Never. Which is fine. Yeah, so I'm not like like super down. I'm glad Remedy can keep doing what they're doing. I guess I'm not like that much of a hater, uh, but this is definitely my favorite game of theirs. Uh, yeah, I would say that. Uh, I didn't I didn't want to play Alan Wake. Watching you play American Nightmare was a great time, but I didn't miss the scratch. Mister Scratch is the best thing Remedy's ever done. <laughs> That's just true. Yes. Um, 
But that's it, I think. You know, short one, but what are you going to do? Yeah, it's a great game. You should play it, uh, even after listening to this. It's time for questions. Jackson. That's true, it is. Where can people send emails if they want to send emails? People can send emails to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. You can yes. try podcast at abnormalmapping.com, but... Eh, 50-50. Yeah, technically, technically, we go there, but, uh, you know, uh, somewhere between Hover and Google, just... Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? We, have a bun- we have a bunch of emails. We have a bunch of emails. Um, our first one is from Nora. Imagine you have the Master Sword. Okay, hang on. Let me just... Mm-hmm. Okay, I've Mind got the Master Sword. <laughs> one, day, one day, it stops shooting the beam. You feel no physically different. What do you do? <laughs> I think that just happens when you, you know, turn 28. <laughs> you know, there's not, it's not possible for you to be at full hearts anymore? <laughs> no, yeah. Damn, that sucks. This is like when um, uh, Vinny was like, I can't have a full bucket of KFC anymore. <laughs> I, I, I'm not as old as Vinny, to be fair. I can have a full bucket of KFC. Uh, you, you, are old, you are older than Vinny was when he said that. Okay, I got a full bucket of KFC. You are more powerful. I believe in you. <laughs> I don't get indigestion in that way. That's I should true. have a full bucket of KFC, but I could. There are many reasons why you shouldn't, but you'd yeah. probably be fine. Yeah, I probably wouldn't get anything with it. I mean, I get like a drink, but just the KFC, please. Mm-hmm. Um, Autumn writes in. I was listening to the live live episode where all y'all talk about uh, th- thousand square games do the thing, where uh, spoilers, I guess. You go to the end of time. Reality's falling apart. You do the cool final boss. I want to ask, what is your favorite final dungeon specifically in a JRPG? I'm gonna steal M's answer and say Final Fantasy VIII, which is I, I would say Final Fantasy IV, but you know, whatever. Yeah. You don't. I don't actually know. I mean, do, do you like the uh, end of Final Fantasy VIII? The the whole yeah, castle? the castle's cool. It's right. neat. 
it's got that cool song and like it's like such a it's such a radical departure in aesthetic from the rest of Final Fantasy VIII. That's the thing that's really cool about it. It is cool. It's a really cool dungeon. It's just like when I hear you talk about Final Fantasy VIII, I don't hear you talk about the last dungeon. No, in the same is, way. Final Fantasy VIII, it's like it's like this weird like kind of near future technology, you know, modern times thing. And then you go to the giant cyber crystal spire for that for Lunatic Pandora, and the final dungeon is a Gothic castle because some Castlevania shit is happening. It's pretty fucking. What if I dropped everything? <laughs> I'm you playing can't. Lost Odyssey. I can't. I can't do this. But what if? Uh, but my real answer is Final Fantasy IV. I love yeah. the. I love the lunar subterrain. It's cool. It's extensive. It feels like a goddamn adventure. Um, the problem with the most modern games, I feel like they put the cool dungeon before the final dungeon. The final dungeon is like three rooms and a boss. Yeah, like the narrative weight of. Um... Not to get too, spe- I won't get into specifics if you haven't played Seven Remake, but Seven Remake has some like stuff at the end of that game, uh, where it, like where a final dungeon would be. You have like evocative designs, but it's three rooms and they're like two bosses, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have the sense of space that you get from classic old dungeons. Um, I don't know which one I would say. Like, I don't really care about the one in Seven. Um, I like the end of that game, but like it's not like that. Oh, the bit where you have to put choose where to put down your save point, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like the one in eight. I don't, don't barely remember the one in nine. Um, <sighs> nine's hmm. got a cool final dungeon. I don't know. I I mean I I, I believe you. I just don't, don't remember it. Uh, it's just a weird. It's a weird question. I guess I would say Kingdom Hearts one. <laughs> Are you really going to raspberry me at this point in time? <laughs> I was watching a randomizer video, Kingdom Hearts 1, just the other day, and I always forget that the final boss of that game is a big fuck-off airship for no reason. <laughs> okay, that part is less cool, but the part where you go to Hollow Bastion and you think it's the final dungeon because you go there twice, and then there's a whole extra final dungeon where it's just like a weird void and then you go down further into it and it's like a different kind of weird void and at the center of it's your island oh uh, yeah but it's also kind of a weird fucked up void <laughs> are you done <laughs> no king Hearts 2 i remember the final area being very cool um, I, so the Kingdom Hearts 2 I think is, is has a cooler slightly I like the bit in the world that never was and specifically the city uh, Castle That's what I think. is that not the final area I assume that was the final area I remember it, no it, it is it, the world that never was as it is but like it starts out in the city and then you go into the castle and you go oh. up the castle and then you go into like the last boss bits and the city is the bit that I think is the best there I wouldn't call it yes, all the dungeons yes, yes. yeah that's fair uh, Eric writes in a bunch of questions. Uh, you gave your list of must-play games, Last of Normal Mapping, two episodes ago, I guess, at this point. What is your uh, must-not-play games from the history of Abnormal Mapping? Uh, f- wait, from, from specifically Abnormal Mapping? Yes. Uh, that's easy. I don't remember its name. The writing game. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Elegy for a Dead World. <laughs> Elegy for a Dead World. Yeah, don't fucking play that. <laughs> Murdered Soul Suspect. Murdered Soul Suspect. Sorry, Mike. fucking bad game that one is. It's a terrible game. That might that might be it, honestly. In terms of games you just, like, flat out shouldn't play. Yeah. E- even out of, like, curiosity. Yeah. Like, you know, I could be glib and be like, oh, Vanquish. But, you know, whatever. Vanquish is fine. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah, no, I think those are the those are the big two. Yeah, we've been pretty. I mean, we pick things that we think we're gonna be interested in. Also, like we're pretty broad in like, it takes a lot for a game to be absolutely like, don't touch it. Absolutely not. This game is fucking terrible. Um, 
we would just avoid those for the most part. So yeah, no. Valhalla was in this podcast. Um, you mentioned in the episode that you both started Pogo's chapter and thought it was a poor introduction to the game. These are live, live questions. A lot of them, uh, follow-ups, uh, uh, despite guide saying it was the best place to start, would you recommend a new player jump into something else instead? And to which I say, no, I, I think if you're resolved to play the game, just rip the worst chapter bandaid off immediately. You get the worst chance of bandaid off. You do understand the game by the end of it. Yes. Uh, it is the earliest one. Like I, it makes sense as one to do. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it is weird as the first chapter, but I can't imagine it feeling better as like the fourth chapter. Yeah, if you if you were like, I don't know if I'm going to stick with this game. I, I want to like have a good first impression. I guess I would probably say like the Mecha chapter would probably be where I'd start. Uh, yeah, like you're right, but too high a peak. You can't start yeah. with the Mecha chapter. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, maybe Kung Fu. Kung Fu's like pretty short and self-contained. Yeah, I might good. say Kung Fu. It's a pretty good one. Um, do you think any of the scenarios would benefit from being expanded to its own full game, or would that hurt them all? I like. I think Mecha would be. I want to play. I want to play a seventies, eighties style like anime aesthetics. Like you know, I want a common Rider RPG the way there are like Sailor Moon RPGs. Um, I bet one or two of those was made. But yeah, probably, but they're probably like Famicom games that are really hard and bad. Yeah, I guess there is that there's, uh, I know that Sailor Moon game's good, but I guess that's like famously good for licensed games at the time. Yeah. It's not necessarily the standard. Yeah, like the get. standard is like, there's like 800 Dragon Quest ripoffs that are SD Gundam RPGs <laughs> yeah. that nobody likes, you know? <laughs> nobody like, likes them. Yep. That's true. Yeah. Do you have an answer for this? Um, I mean, I'm Mecha's my answer here. Uh, ball? No, ball would get worse. Like space would get worse. Cube, cube. Sorry, bull, cube. Uh, yeah. Cube would get worse uh, if you expand. I would it. like. I would like. I would like a like a Final Fantasy four looking Wild West RPG. I don't want Wild Arms. I specifically want it to be kind of like this, but it'd have to be reframed because, like, the way that the Wild West chapter works is so different than you couldn't expand that into a full game. But I would That's like true. something in that aesthetic. I would love to play a full Sundown game. I don't know what it would be, yeah. but uh, you would just need to have good writing, which is the part I'm like mm, most about. But uh, yeah. I'd fucking play it. Uh, are there any full length RPGs in particular you think would benefit from being shrunk down into a live alive length scenario? Hmm. This is a h- hard question because. Um, like, obviously, I think a lot of RPGs would benefit from being shorter. But then the answer is like, so many of them are generically similar in their premise. That I'm like, what has an eye-catching enough premise that it will work in two hours? Because yeah. it's not a Final Fantasy. Those two, that you know, they're just that. Um, I guess you could do you could do think, a short version I of think- Earthbound. I was gonna say there's like a radically restructured vision of Final Fantasy 13 that I think would be really cool. That, like, you ah, that, yeah. you're cursed. You're cursed with God's one task, and you must do it at great personal cost. In two hours, yeah. No, that, yeah. you can do that one. That, that I think that, like, in terms of having like a s- conceptual hook, works because yes, like the older Final Fantasy games are just uh, very, you know, they're RPGs. We mm-hmm. made some dungeon crawls after Dragon Quest, and the modern ones are like lore disasters that you can't shrink down at all. Um, and um, I love that. I but, think generically, uh, Star Ocean could do it. You know what? Yes, because I have loaded up Star Ocean and like checked how that f- opening is, and putting like a scene from Star Trek into the JRPG format, I'm in. Yeah, in two hours. Like you wouldn't want it longer than that, right? No, I mean I'll. I hope to enjoy Star Star Ocean when we do play it, but I think this that's an answer. That's 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 a good one. Yeah. 
Um, you mentioned in previous episodes that mecha games rarely manage to capture what it is about mecha anime. It's interesting. How does Akira's scenario rank against the games you've covered in mecha game uh, in mecha games? Um, is this the best mecha game of all time? You barely get in the mecha, but it is cool when you do. I mean, the best mecha game of all time is um, obviously uh, Zone of the Enders Two, the second runner. Yeah, but uh, th- like that game has nothing to do with what I like about mecha anime. So you know what are you gonna do? Um, that's not true. If that game, I know we... if that game was just about a person who fought an army, like if it was just like a big man, I'd like it the same. The the chapter the the one bit where there's a million guys wouldn't work in the same way. No, that but... that is the like that's the reason that's the literally my argument here is that one but section. Ostra's like, wrath basically does the life rings revolving like every three chapters, so you know. <laughs> But I do think like this is, I guess, the closest to mecha anime. But that's because it's ri- it's just doing a mecha anime. It's not a me- like it's barely a like game in terms of. That's a bit of a loaded phrase. It's not systematizing doing mecha shit, right? Yeah, it is communicating a story in the same for the same tools that uh, the rest of the live live life is built out of, which is what makes live life interesting. But mm. I don't know what people mean when they say mecha game in that because I'll take a mecha story that has a bunch of random gameplay. I guess I'll I'll enjoy that. Yeah. Someone's hammering outside my window. I don't know if it's picking up. If that does pick up, my apologies, but it's so rude. Don't do that. I can't hear it, but rude. Okay. Doesn't mean anything. No, um, I know. Like, the and the final question. Um, according to Moby Games, Hideki Okuma only, has only worked in five games. Uh, one is Sorcerer's Maze, which I just know what it is, but did event design on Live Alive and Mother 3, scenario planning on Tulip, and screenplay writing on Rule of Rose. Just thought it was an incredible set of uh, things. There's a question here about trying to see who has a similar career but i won't i wouldn't even begin to have an answer yeah, for you i don't i don't Just know enough about exactly who was credited i should on watch rule things. of rose i don't think i want to play it but i should watch an lp of that at some point yeah I know people like Tulip. I just don't know if that's a game that's like actually good or not. Someone write in. Mother Three. I I think we're gonna play Mother Three next year. Like that's been that's been kind of penciled in for a long time. I'm really I'm ready to do it. Mm-hmm. It's been long enough since Earthbound. I'm ready. It's time. It ha- it has been a long time since Earthbound. It's been six years since Earthbound. It's six years. Are you fucking kidding me? It's uh, five and a half right now. But yeah. Oh. That we were playing Earthbound. This like before Force Awakens came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone wrote in about uh, game anthologies. We mentioned in the live live episode. Uh, we brought up Experiment Twelve, but they also want to point out ten beautiful postcards and fifty short games, which are both uh, like contributor anthology video games. Which is true. Fifty short games is really good. Yeah. Um, I haven't played ten beautiful postcards, but that sounds like a that sounds like one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're into the emails for this episode. There was just a lot of fallout emails, which we're not, I'm not used to people following up with emails, but Hey, I like it. Please send more emails. If you listen to this podcast, like, Oh, we should, they should have covered this. Or I have a question about this. Uh, love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, Nora writes in, uh, (laughs) with, uh, email subject head. Are the enemies in Max Payne called painkillers? I didn't play it. No, no. Most of the enemies you fight in Max Payne 2 are called the cleaners. They just call them the cleaners generically. So. I mean, the you you um the that's your health. You pick up pills. You pick up painkillers. Oh right, right pills, chems. I need my chems. You need his chems. Um, that's a reference no one's gonna get anymore. We still do it though. Uh, 
Beyond those covered on the podcast, do you have any particular affection for or experience with computer RPGs? I'm playing a bunch of them. They're really compelling, in part because once you get back to the 80s, there's really strong mechanical tie tabletop RPGs. Also, I personally think Fear Bullet Time is cooler than Max Payne Bullet Time. When you hit and pop into a room and hear a guy yell shit real slow. I can't comment on the sound design additions made by Fear, but Max Payne 2's Bullet Time is really cool. You just said you hadn't played it. Um, It's better than Max Payne 1's Bullet Time. Fear's cool. I only played Fear 1. I should play Fear 2 at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I played that game on a Steam controller. I was busy trying. I was like, can I play a full game on a Steam controller? And I could. It was cool. That's my main feeling about like the mechanics of Fear. It's a weird choice for it, but yeah, okay. Well, I mean, it, the the whole thing was like, you can play a shooter on this. And I was like, okay, let's find a shooter that doesn't have controller support. Fear. Oh, right. It. I guess it was right. I guess the PC version wouldn't. Yeah. Huh. I'm just, I just like assume I'll put, you know, I wanted to play <laughs> a Quake on my controller. And you were like, you've, you've, lo- you've abandoned God. <laughs> it was because it was for coverage. Yep. But I, if I can play a shooter on my controller, I'll find a way. Jackson, what are your feelings about computer RPGs outside of the podcast? I've not played enough of them. Every time I try to go back to a really old one, I, I don't I don't manage to do it, which is um uh I guess an indictment of me. I, I I'm so much of a JRPG person that like I load up a wizardry and I'm like, ah, it's too much, it's these dungeons, I don't understand what's going on here, and there's no characters, I don't care. Uh so it is definitely an area I have not explored enough. Though I deeply respect uh Nora's ability to just engage with all the old RPGs um that vintage is a little beyond me like i haven't gone back that far but like you know i played all the witchers and i've played 3d fallout i've played three in new vegas i guess and i played dragon age one and all the mass effects and those are computer rpgs you know pillars of eternity i played pillars of eternity um i'm gonna be on Nora's podcast talking about tyranny in like three days please look forward to it yeah um I uh, I like the genre. I, my problem is I really like the story first stuff, and I've played all of those at this point. Basically, like all I've got left is Pillars Two, and and then I'm like I don't know what the fuck I do <laughs> at that point. Yep, because the thing is that you don't really love, or it's not that you don't like it, but it's more like your affection comes from the ability to talk to people and have narrative delivered to you. Yes, uh, not necessarily the system's design. No, in fact, I usually try to get around the system as, <laughs> as much as possible. So, uh, I should, I can play Fallout Four, I guess. Um, you you could do that. I might try. I might try Dragon Age Two again when Journal Update gets to it. I've I've tried it a couple times, but I never get very far because I'm like, man, this isn't Dragon Age. But also, I played Dragon Age so long ago, like when it was new, that like I've changed. Like the reality is, Dragon Age will never be for me. It's not for me. Uh, yes. But it's hard to let go. Mm-hmm. Um, I love The Witcher, though. I hope they make another one. They shouldn't, but I hope they do. They they are. They've already announced that they I are. I know. I know. But they've said a lot of things, and they haven't been true. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah. Uh, Cynthia writes in just talking about how good Gravity Rush is, and it's true. Um, so true. In a hypothetical ranking of all video game orb collecting, which are the games that rank immediately above and below Gravity Rush? Also, would you eat one of the Gravity Rush orbs if it were snack-sized? Absolutely. I guess I would. It's probably really sweet. Do you... I think, I think they're, like... I think they're sour. I think they're, like, kind of like sugar candy, but I think they're sour. Then, then no. I love I love a sour candy. <laughs> Gross. Delicious. They're... What if they're grape-flavored, though? Grape-flavored candy's gross. Yeah. 
Uh, to me, they look more like they'd be like a um, a Fortune Street chocolate you unwrap. Oh, that makes sense to me. Yeah, sure. Um, what are the games above and below Gravity Rush in terms of directly above and below and orb collecting? Hmm. Um, I would need. I guess Crackdown is. Oh, I just don't know which one it is. Is Gravity yeah. Rush one better than Crackdown, or is Crackdown one better than Gravity Rush? I would assume Crackdown's one. You can't. <laughs> You can't shift gravity in Crackdown, and you have to shoot a bunch of guys. So I'm going to go ahead and say that Gravity Rush is an improvement on the formula. Yeah. Um. I'm going to say the thing that Gravity Rush most reminds me of in terms of like the way I play it, um, the, I think the one right below it is actually not necessarily an orb-collecting game, but I'm going to say Banjo-Kazooie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I, I definitely finished Gravity Rush and was like, I should play Banjo-Kazooie one of these days, because it's clearly something I'd love. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Weed Lord Vegeta writes in, uh, is this game the greatest part of the Crackdown franchise? Probably. Probably. <laughs> that, that, what's that? That's taken care of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, blah, blah. Amber writes in, um, there's a long thing about Heaven Will Be Mine, which is a game I have neither of us have played, so we don't have a lot to say about that, but it does come to a question about, um, when a system and a gameplay are like inexorably tied to each other, uh, how do you feel about like the ways in which those are required of each other? Do you think that gameplay necessitates story reasons? Um, why do stories need gameplay in video games? Is this a bad thing to tie them together? I mean, so I, me of like starting this podcast would have said these things should always be. You should always consider these things. The narrative and the systems must be intact together, creating a coherent whole. And now. Uh, I weirdly don't care as much anymore. I guess that's getting old. Um, as I have invested less in uh, this stuff. Though I do think it's effective when it's done well, right? Like, I'm not here to say, oh, don't bother putting a story in your game. Um, I'm more saying I mostly spend my time <laughs> messing about with, like, action games these days. So my, like, uh, direction of focus has gone. But when I was playing more smaller games and games experimenting this way, I, you know, I, I like it when they, you know, uh, tie things up like this. I think it's good. I, I don't like a lot of stories and games, but I will never skip the cutscenes. That is my gift, yes. my curse. <laughs> that is true. No, on the first time through, I'm yeah, watching yeah. the cutscenes. It doesn't matter. Yeah, when I play Bayonetta, I'm skipping the cutscenes. I've se- played both those games like multiple times at this point. Um, but like. I just can't, I can't bring myself to like totally re- like reject the, the story that's being given. Even if most stories I don't like, I'm like, Oh, why am I sitting here watching this? This is bad. Uh, I like it when they are tied together. I just don't think many games know what that means other than like you have to ex- exceed in a challenge to unlock next piece of content. Um, and I, I, the problem is that narrative and games and gameplay itself just don't actually go together that well. Like, Stories are often things that are injected in a game to give you something to hang on to. Um, but to inexorably tie them together, I think it's just hard. I, I can't even think of like great examples of games that do tie the gameplay and the narrative together in interesting ways off the top of my head. Yeah, like I'm kind of... Um, all the games that do this... Uh, or at least are uh, not not all the games. The big games, I should say. I guess that are the first thing in my mind is an answer to this. I was like, oh, Metal Gear Solid does this, right? Yeah, but the big games that are held up as do like the the 
wide cultural examples of being the perfect like versions of this are ones i'm not necessarily super into i really love metal gear solid um i love uh metal gear solid 2 and like all the weird stuff it's doing there but i, I like metal gear solid because uh first of all it's a really good stealth game and second of all uh i like the characters and a distant third i vaguely like some of the uh like themes in the first uh, like up to three uh and then i enjoy the meta text but um I definitely, it's definitely not my focus when I think about those games. Like when mm. someone tells me, like, you couldn't do a story like Nero Automata in anything but video games, I go, what are you talking about? This is every anime ever made. This, you're just lying. That's nothing like against or pro the game. It's just, like, the, the stuff isn't as special as it's often made out to be. Yeah. I mean, my, my big problem with most big stories, like stories and games in general, is like, I'm like, we're watching anime every week and I could read a book and yeah. watch a movie. Like,. I get those things in much more compacted, often more competently presented forms because they don't have to be written by people who already aren't working in those fields that specialize in those things and then have to bend to gameplay demands. But I also think it's like uh, the games we're focusing on. Like I said, I'm playing a lot of action games. I'm not playing the like smaller, more, at least these days, I'm not playing as many, you know, smaller experimental games that are doing the like stuff here, right? Yeah, but often um, those games aren't even gameplay focused in general right. also, so... But this is like the the question was like about a visual novel that I haven't played, yeah. and I'm we're talking about Bayonetta. Yeah, but also uh, like my react like the reason I don't do novel not new anymore is because I don't like visual novels that much. Like that's the thing I learned about myself is I every time I sit down to because they're written in such a way to be like consumed by people who are used to the form, and I don't like that kind of like light novel writing form. I mostly am like I could I'd rather read a book. It's shorter and the writing's better to me. <laughs> Not to, not to tease, not to tease out uh, a discussion that's going to be had next time, but we've both been playing Lost Odyssey for next next time, and um, it's going to be a good episode. Lost Odyssey, famous for the Thousand Years of Dream segments, which are short, uh, like, short stories that basically function as, I guess you'd call them sound novels, you don't get like, any artists, yeah, but, but you do get... They remind me of the earliest visual novels I interacted with, which is stuff like Narcissus and stuff yes. like that. Like, no no mechanics, you just click through the story, the story's relatively short, it's always heartbreakingly sad, and there's a piano <laughs> score accompanying it. Like, that's what visual novels ha- were to me, like, when I was in my teens. And I'm reading it, and I'm thinking, how much is the fact that I'm buttoning through, and also that the text is coming in, like, the me of being nine years old and just discovering powerpoint is individually animating every word uh adding to the experience when i could just like read the short story i'd be really curious to see like how i think about them i i'll be honest stories. at some point i started buttoning through the animations of the text um i i go back and forth uh i button through when i've like caught up with the reading i, I think it is better than uh reading and then reading the whole thing because then when you read the whole thing it's just like very flat and yes, then it's just do- the writing <laughs> I think mostly the pacing is fine for those. Well, next month, next month. Next next month. month. I'm just, I just mean more generally speaking that like that's a thing that we've been playing and engaging with because it's put into another kind of game that we're playing. Um, and a lot of it just makes me think I could just go, I should just read some short stories. Yes. Well, they did get an actual like book, like a writer writer to write those. So, and you can tell, I think. Yes. Uh, anyway, next email is from Hilver. Uh, I had a small like, game, game idea I wanted to experiment with and thought about messing around it with jeans for the PS4. How do you feel about games present creating experience for others as play playing experience with the creator? Also, how do you feel about uh, game creation games and games that rely on user-generated content in a closed ecosystem? Um, two minds about that, obviously, that like closed ecosystem structures like this are obviously like inherently problematic from like a exploitation of labor and user rights thing right like you create a thing in dreams you don't own it they own it they publish it 
That's it. But it's significantly different. Seemingly different than like Adventure Game Studio or like Ren P or Twine or whatever the thing. But also, it's a framework in which it's very easy to make things that you couldn't make in those systems. And um, you know, but like Steam is a closed system on some level. Yeah, yeah. But um, the people who publish on Steam own their games. Yeah, yeah. But the point I'm building to is Roblox is also this and has become big enough to like support studios, which yes. we don't we don't really go there. I don't know anything about the space. Yeah. But like the definition of closed system, it, it's all like in, built into like various sizes of capitalist yes. enterprises. I just wanted the are... caveat that I recognize yeah, yeah. that it is a tricky situation, yes. and I wouldn't necessarily automatically say, "Oh, go and you know make whatever you want in dreams and spend all your time in it," unless you want to. Like ultimately, you don't need to turn all of your production into like product if you just want to make a thing in dreams make a thing in dreams who cares it's your life like the ways in which this is all like top-down controlled in and out of these systems in explicit and implicit ways uh Mm -hmm. is frustrating and makes like the act of creation more fraught but also uh because there's no escape from that if you just want to go you know build some mario maker levels do some stuff in dreams whatever it is go you know do whatever you want fucking mario maker yeah I mean, fucking nintendo <laughs> uh anyway uh dreams I, I thought was cool like i bought it and i messed around with it like right when it came out i need to go back to it because i know there's a lot more stuff in it now um because the thing with dreams is it took a long time to make stuff in dreams and so a lot of the like cooler stuff is you know come out since i've played it um uh and it seemed really neat like it's you know media molecule figured out how to do a thing that was more interesting like i i got a little big planet and i messed with like the high rated levels and stuff but that was never it like i just didn't enjoy it i thought that was like a bad experience um overall um and this ends up feeling like way different than like mario maker like mario maker is the best version of uh little big planet which like here's some cool levels with a very strict framework and you you can see people experiment with it and stuff. Nintendo fucked that up because they're Nintendo. But um, I think I think these frameworks are cool. Getting obviously there's the audience problem of getting enough people to create stuff. But like you know RPG Maker is thriving. You can play all sorts of cool games made in RPG Maker. So yeah. Which that is so like ubiquitous as a tool that people don't even think of it as one of these, but it absolutely is one of these. Like you could buy that game on PS2 or whatever. I mean, the difference is you can export. You can yeah. you can export RPG Maker stuff and own it. Yeah, you can't export your thing from Dreams and have it on your computer and then sell niche. Yeah, you can do. But that I don't think that was true of like the console versions of RPG Maker either. So you know. no, no, no. Um, WarioWare DIY. <laughs> Bring back WarioWare. Yeah. Uh, Alec writes in. Uh, what are your favorite applications of gravity mechanics in games? Um. Well, I guess aside from Gravity Rush. <laughs> yes. Uh. Which ones can I think of? What is that game? Is it called Ghost World? Ghost Planet? Ghost? Keep going. Space Ghost? Coast to Coast? <laughs> I'm, I'm you know what I'm talking about, right? The 2D Mario Galaxy game? The, oh, like, fuck! Game? I do! Gravity Ghost. Gravity Ghost. That was a good game. <laughs> the whole time I was egging you on, I had no idea what you are talking about. <laughs> I explained what it was, and you immediately was talking about it. I was like, so. oh, yeah, no, the one where it's like... Um... Uh, it's like a uh, space golf, whatever it is, gravity golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like a platformer that has like very sweet vibes. It's a good game. That's a great game. Man, I forgot I played that. That owns. Yeah. One of uh, the old, like the old, oh, from 2015, but I guess it's old indie games back in the day. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. We've been doing this too long. <laughs> I don't even, that's not even like early abnormal mapping. 2015 is like. Yeah, I know. Man. Um, that, that is my answer, I think. I'm trying to think if there's any others that 
I could think of, but that's, that's really the, the one. I mean, like I like I said, those goes golf games, but like I think in terms of um, you know, Gravity Ghost takes those ideas and uh, extends them. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that aren't just like a two D. What if I slingshotted this mechanic? Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to think of stuff. Like I, I guess I'd say like Outer Wilds. I really like controlling things in zero G, but I think that's the same thing because that's mm-hmm. just building off of like, oh, what's the descent and stuff. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily call gravity mechanics. It's just like no. being aware of how you move. Yep. Um. Lately, I've been thinking. Oh, this one's from Colton. Sorry. Uh, lately, I've been thinking about camera perspective games, specifically because I saw someone tweet about how Lost Odyssey does split screen camera for cutscenes. No, no selling in this email whether or not that was your tweet about split screen, and because this came in yesterday, and you've been tweeting about the split screen stuff in Lost Odyssey the last couple of days. So I was like, I did, this, I did this... tweet, I did tweet that. Um, yeah. This, I'm going to search if someone else has tweeted that. <laughs> Yeah, who else? Who else out here is tweeting about Lost Odyssey? I need to know. Um, what are some memorable camera techniques, moments, or fantastic camera work in games for you? I feel folks talk a lot about janky cameras. I'd love to hear thoughts on camera work that shines for you in and out of cutscenes. I mean, uh, have to shout out Thirty Flights of Loving and Gravity Bone as like the gold standard for interesting camera work in video games. Yes. If you have not played those, go immediately and play those. They're really goddamn good. Um, I think The Witcher Three is really good about like just not it's not showy but it just has good it just has good cinematography of like back and forth people talking to each other like how do you shoot a thing and make it not look like mass effect where it's like shot reverse shot for 40 hours mm-hmm. that's a good answer uh, yeah um i would say I, I remember playing yakuza 3 and being like uh impressed by it in that way as well which i assume yeah. the rest of the series keeps up with yeah um, yeah yakuza is weird because like there's there's like four different levels of like fidelity that yakuza exists in and so you get the ones that are just like here's a text box and like the camera slowly rotating around kiryu just in his normal standing pose and then you get the full-on cutscenes. and i think the actual best ones like in the one in the middle (laughs) it's like a combination of those two things but it is good um Uh, i find i found one person who isn't me talking about lost odyssey split screens okay uh their last tweet about it was on may 16th which I think is before mine. Okay. But they follow me, so maybe it's someone playing for the cast. Maybe we are influencing the Lost Odyssey plays. Which Adam writes are. in. Since M's recently covered all the Ghibli movies on another podcast, and oh, Jackson is presumably catching God. up on that podcast. Fucking <laughs> damn Jackson, it. How's it going? <laughs> Did we... Bad. It, well, no, because what I did was I psyched myself out about it, and then you were just like, just don't do Because I watched a couple, and then I was barely focusing on them because I was tipsy. I have a really normal brain. <laughs> and I also, I was like, myself I was, out also, I was like we're having a bad time. Like, you don't want to come in and talk about the wind rise. You know, good thing you didn't come in and talk about the wind rises because that would have been like, that podcast is already a lot. Uh, oh, yeah, no. I'm, I am glad I didn't come for, the, for that, but I am disappointed that just like, man. Should just watch the movie. I don't know. It's weird. I maybe I'll watch some soon. I have been thinking like in uh, with Turn A, I should watch a bit more. Uh, yeah. Which Ghibli movie do y'all think could make a good licensed video game? That was the question. Of the ones I've seen, or the ones I haven't seen, I guess. <laughs> I mean, like I'm like, oh, they should make a Nasca game, but I've played Breath of the Wild. That exists. So you can just play that. It's really good, actually. Now you can tell me this answer because you've seen Ponyo, but uh, Berkenaya, uh, whatever the my summer vacation Ponyo game. Yes, no. Yeah, M- Millennium Kitchen Ponyo. Yeah, yeah, yeah that okay. should happen. Yeah, um, I mean, as much as I have problems with it, I'd love a Kiki's game where you're just like flying around delivering shit. It's your job. I Sounds would, great. Yeah. What if Crazy Taxi was like chill? 
hey, 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 it's about time to make some crazy money, ASMR. <laughs> We're here today to make some crazy money. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah. get, uh, just get Doc Feature to uh, <laughs> <laughs> ASMR Crazy Taxi. We could be heroes. <laughs> taxi heroes. Taxi heroes. <laughs> I think about we could be heroes, Sonic heroes, every day of my life. <laughs> One of the most influential phrases on me. <laughs> um, Hunter writes in. If you were to do a series like Rain Touch, Range Touches Too Much Future, what series would we collectively choose to do? Now, the, that is defined by, like, a uh, ongoing Let's Play that we're both on, right? Yes. Okay, and obviously, not that's not happening for various tactical and other reasons. But yeah, I don't want I don't want to, but yes, if we say, were to do it, what would we Max, do it on? Ma- uh, Maximum Fun buys us, and part of their uh, plans are like, you have to do this, because it would yeah. get good engagement. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay, um... I, mean, like, I, I know what the answer is. I'm going to let you give me an answer. Instead. Well, I was going to say there's an obvious answer. <laughs> okay, what's the obvious answer? Well, I guess it's just doing Final Fantasy stuff. It's the easy answer. There you answer. go. That is the obvious answer. <laughs> because we have a you know, connection to it. and Now it's been long enough since the early episodes that we can go back and talk about stuff. Uh, but I, I, I guess I guess I can't think of anything else that would work for that format. The problem is um, we just can do what they do for that. They're really good at it. And also... Uh, Fallout is a CRPG, which means very, very regularly you're getting new, like in-depth stuff to talk about. Usually, why it's fraught and dumb. Uh, but uh, the 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 thing you must understand is that uh, Cam and Michael are way smarter than us. <laughs> you have to understand. Games that I study buddies and Just King things are like uh incredible podcast everyone i know and this includes multiple other people who i consider to be like best podcasters around in awe of them which is yeah. a bit of a rude or oh, praise so high it's rude to do publicly so sorry about that uh but i do i do love those shows and i, I don't yeah. think i could do it and like get to the depth that they do and uh but we'd try it i guess it'd just be bad uh, we have an email from Nate. Uh, I have a very memor- v- vivid memory as a young child playing Max Payne in a friend's house because their older sibling had it for PC. Being five, understandably, Max Payne was not particularly beatable for us. But we must have played the first couple stages a few dozen times. And I have very fond memories despite that. Do either of you have fond memories as a young child or not of being unable to progress in games? Is that a valid way to experience a work? I mean, that is a valid way to experience that a work. Is a valid in fact, way it's like the most work. valid way to experience a work in a lot of ways. I think very regularly about the email that came into idle thumbs about the person who as a child could not get out of the hut in link's awakening and in so Link's they awakening? Ju- yeah you know that you wake up in the hut that you in that like uh taran takes you to oh yeah you, you, i mean you have to get your shield from him right yeah yeah and they just they just didn't leave the screen they never let they played that game and never which there's not enough i don't know how that happens like yeah. i can see how you can like stay in a starter area for a long time but that's there's not there's you just randomly press the buttons and you'll end up outside within five seconds. That's impressive. But for me, I, I, I definitely... There's a few of these. I guess I've only played the first, like, level of a million games, but I don't know if it was, like, hard hard stuck in that way. The ones that really, like, strike me as being the answers to this is, like, as a kid, like, I a friend, parents had Mist on their computer and I always wanted to play Mist and that was unapproachable to me. And uh, my friend fucking hated it. It was like this is boring, but I'm like, no, look at this. What, how do you, how does any of this work? Because I never computer, and it was like deep mysteries for smart people. Um, 
And so Mist was always that for me. I remember playing uh, Goonies 2 for the NES, and that's like a weird, like, it's like a platform that has like first person maze segments that are really evocative and mysterious. And that game always seemed like a game for people who were way smarter than me. Uh, when I originally played Castlevania 2, like as a kid renting it, I was befuddled by that game. I'm like, I don't even know what you're supposed to do here. Like, there's, there's no levels. There's no levels. That just wander around un- and it, it turns into night and then you get murdered. I didn't, I don't get it. Oh, you didn't even understand. There was like, this wasn't even the translation stuff. You just didn't get no, the No, no. Of- it was, I was eight and there were, I hadn't played an RPG or anything, right? Like, God, I yeah. got this game and I was like, oh, it's like Mario, but you got a whip. That's exactly how I describe Castlevania 2. <laughs> I just didn't know, right? Like, everything I played yeah, was a platformer or, like, a racing game, you know? Uh, I guess one of my good examples of this would be Lego Island 2. I was stuck on the first island forever. I couldn't get to any of the other places. So I just, like, ran around the actual Lego Island. You can go to a... Lego Island 2 introduced, like, Knight's Island and a bunch of other places, and I couldn't get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I This isn't quite the same thing, but I have a fond memory of when Banjo-Kazooie came out, there was all the stuff around, like, the secrets that were kind of basically taken out of that game. But all the, like, bread trails that lead to them were still in the game. Uh, The 360 version has all this in it now, so you can just access that stuff. But it was a lot of stuff that, like, felt like old playground lore stuff but it was in the game you could just see it it wasn't even like someone made some shit up and you're like i don't believe you you could see the ice key it's like how the fuck do i get to the ice key um and it was stuff that they were going to use like hot swap the carts when banjo 2 came out and they didn't end up doing that but it's all in the xbox version and stuff like that um Wait, and that game stuff... always felt mysterious in that way the stuff you just couldn't get in the n64 version that they'd like just just like took out the ability that's so weird yeah you know, they're gonna just do a thing where, like, if you if you play if you play Banjo Kazooie one, and then while the game was on, you pulled out the cart and put in the second cart, it would unlock that stuff. And then Nintendo was like, "You can't do that; it'll damage the carts." <laughs> it's extremely against the licensed agreements for our games to ask people to do this. That's I didn't know that Banjo like Tui would would have been far enough ahead in production to like even plan it that way. Because it sounds like they like put in the lock, but then couldn't like do the key. Yep. Um, and all, all that stuff does work in the 360 version. Okay, so very cool. it was finished. It just was... Yeah. Yeah, okay. 15 years later, and also it's just some random shit. Like, well, it it's wasn't not, there's finished nothing 15 there. years later. It was activated but, 15 years later, but I assume, like, it was done. It just couldn't be turned on. Yeah, but it, like, didn't do anything. They were just, like, secrets, right? Like... Right, yeah. Anyway, um... Yeah, this is the most valid way to experience video games. They're um, being confused and stuck on stuff is like a lost art in video games, and it it, it was magical. I I miss that. Now I just I'm impatient and I'm in my thirties and I just look shit up because I can. Um, we've got an email from uh, Observer. Uh, best announcers in games. Um, Street Fighter Four. What was the tweet you made? This might not have been a public tweet. There was like, whatever announcer, game announcer you hear this in says a lot about you. Like, two Oh, shit, that wasn't on public. I'm going to go find it. You answer this question honestly, but I will find it. Okay. Um, best announcers in games. The Soul Calibur 2 announcer? Fucking aces. That's uh, a crazy good Taxi. Crazy Taxi's good. Going to make some crazy money. I don't know if that counts as an announcer, but feels like it to me. Um. Gosh, what other good announcers are there? Smash announcers, really good. Fighting games is always have good announcers, like straight up. Obviously, it's like half of a fighting game's appeal is how hyped the announcer is. Uh, the tweet was: um, Twitter should have pulsing background music and a cool voice saying "yes" or "superb" when you fave something. 
Yes. And then the follow-up was whatever announcer voice you hear this in says a lot about you or something. Well, that was my quote tweet. This was, okay. this was on all, because I didn't make okay. this up. Uh, because I, I knew if I made this into content, I'd get a million, billion quote tweets. Yeah. And my answer to that was, of course, the um, OutRun uh, girlfriend, yeah. because she's great. Not really an announcer, but that's the one I, I, I immediately thought of this. <laughs> uh, video game announcers are so good. Lost yeah. art. Yeah. And always saying, Fist will fly at this location. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, God. A tale right, of swords uh, and souls, eternally retold. We have an, one last email from Alex. Uh, there's some control questions in here, so you'll have to take them. Uh, right. What do you think that control benefits from having the sta- Sam Lake stand in be in the background instead of the lead character? Um, hmm. I don't think it is impacted either way. It doesn't. I like. I. I. I you know. Whatever. It's fine. Okay. Uh, I think. I think the best one of these is when Sam Lake is on the uh, TV and Alan Wake, and he does the face. That is pretty good. It's hard to ignore that one. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite remedy fake TV show? I think we said this in the episode. Mine, mine's ad, uh, address unknown. Uh, mine's Lords and Ladies. Yeah. My lord, my lady. <laughs> My lady, it is too difficult to bear. <laughs> uh, what would your void animal companion be as you fly through the air with the grace of a brick? What? Your what would your void animal companion? You got to have a, oh, a cat, like is, cat, right? Or a raven, I, like I was raven. Like, when did this happen in control? <laughs> no, no, there's just one control question. Um, whoo! I mean, can I have a cat as well? <laughs> yeah, sure. If you if you want a cat, I think mine might be a snake or like a bird. I okay, know. No. I. Oh, go ahead. Oh, you, you, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Interrupt I was going to say, like, I know that, like, people who know me, like, oh, like, Adam's associated with bears in people's brain, but, like, that's why I wouldn't want it to be a bear. It's got to be something else. Got it. I think it'd be, like, an owl or, like, a snake. Or, I, like, boring, the boring, probably realist answer is that it's just a dog. I just like dogs a lot, but I, if I could pick something cool, I'm going to pick a snake or an owl. I mean, the bad thing is, like, She's called Cat. She's called Raven. They are also associated with their animals. It's not like they have a different animal. Yeah, I know. It's a companion. But, but yes. If, yeah, I just think it's too... For me, it feels too on the nose to pick the enemy that's like, oh, this is associated with like my personality or whatever. Uh, I guess I'll say that like as a, as a kid, uh, I loved rabbits so much. Uh, um, but the problem is, like, that has such, like, horny connotations, and I just remember it being the really cute animal I loved when I was six. And I that's mean, the vibe. Uh, no, the I'm just like... Th- yeah. The thing about animals, the rabbits is pe- like rabbits are cool. I wouldn't want them as pets because prey animals as pets is weird because like they're just really like delicate, right? Like yes. you know you gotta treat rabbit like very carefully, and if you make loud noises, you can startle it, and it's bad for their health. I'm like, I don't want a pet that's like that me difficult. <laughs> I'm already that. <laughs> well, I don't know. You're fine. You won't fall over dead if I make a loud noise. You don't know. <laughs> you haven't tried. <laughs> That's not true. I make loud noises every week into this microphone. <laughs> yep. That's it. That's the last email. Damn, that was a question bucket. We did it. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to send in emails about anything uh, video game related, the game clubs or not, we like random emails, obviously. They're great fun to talk about. Uh, podcast at gmail.com. Next month, finally. We are playing Lost Odyssey. I'm like on disc three. I'm like two hours into disc three already. I'm so. about to. I've, I've, I should probably probably should watch at least two anime first, um, but then I'm gonna just sing through Lost Odyssey whole tonight. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, we do have a Gundam tomorrow to record, so you know you should probably catch up on that. I mean, I'll be caught up. It's just I probably shouldn't watch four episodes in a row. No, no. Anyway, uh, we'll be playing Lost Odyssey. You can get that on your Xbox 360, your Xbox One, or your Xbox Series S slash X if that's your jam. It is um, my jam. That is our jam, obviously. If this is my advice, if you're playing it on Xbox Series consoles, um, I've had some weird experience where I, at least on my television, when you have the auto HDR on, the colors look off. I would turn that off. You hit start, hit the little start button. What is the start button on the Xbox? I don't remember what it's called, but go into Menu. compatibility mode. Turn that, turn off auto HDR. Uh, if it was on, if your TV set for HDR or whatever, it'll be on by default. So you have to turn it off. Um, sometimes there's weird sound bugs in the Xbox Series version. Uh, just reload yep. your game. It should fix it. I assume they'll be in the Xbox One version as well. I assume it's like backwards yeah. compatibility issues. Uh, yep. I've had cutscenes load and just have no audio and I've reloaded yes. them and they've been fine. Yep. Um, it has been rare enough that like whenever it happens, I just reload and do it. Save yeah. points are frequent enough that I've never, it's never been one of like the fourth cutscene after a save point, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah it's it's pretty good so far and um if you have a 360 it'll, it'll load slower but work fine yeah of course uh if you you know have a disc version or if you don't know what lost Odyssey is is a mistwalker developed jrpg for the xbox 360 four dvds <laughs> uh came out in what 2008 right 2007 in japan 2008 here yeah um and uh was the game me and Jackson bonded over because it was literally maybe literally the only game we had in common uh when we yeah. <laughs> so I think it might actually have been because we yeah. like first started talking over like bonding over James Bond movies. Yes. Um so yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, fair warning if you intend to play with us, it is like fifty hours long, which is why I'm in disc three right now. Yeah, um, no, we've we have started ahead of time. We've got ahead of schedule because that's a long game. That's not like a fake long game where you can actually get it done in twenty if you're quick about it. Yeah, no, I'm 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 at like twenty five, but there's some weird stuff with the clock. I don't know. We'll see. I think my time when I finish is going to be probably around like sixty hours, would be my guess. So we'll that see. Makes how sense. It goes. Um Okay. Anyway, uh plugs, Jackson. You can find me at twitter.com slash off. You can find all the podcasts that BNM do at abnormalmapping.com. Listen to a bunch of them there. They are cool and good. You can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. I'm on the road to 3,000. I'm really hoping. So if you don't follow me for some reason, please do that. It, it helped me out. <laughs> I want to hit a round number. I have such inadequacy compared to Jackson. Famous Yuko from Nichijou, oh, 10,000 I... follower account. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> Remember when I was at like 700 and you were at like 200? I, for like half, it was until 2016, you were the big account. You hit a yeah. thousand before me. Yep. Um, you, you, and then suddenly I live tweeted Marvel Ultimate Comics. And something You've never recovered. Ruined never recovered life. since then. Um, if you would like to support our podcast, you can do that at patreon.com. For $1 a month, you get the Great Gundam Project. We're watching Attorney Gundam. Uh, Starting this week, the first episode's already up. That episode's free if you want to listen to it. We're also watching Big O along with that. Uh, we have special guest Austin Walker joining us again for a season, so that's very exciting. Um, maybe you you know of Austin from uh, Waypoint Radio and Friends of the Table. Um, if you five dollars, we watch a movie every month and talk about its you know political and social context. A very stupid podcast called Blockbusters. <laughs> um, we're doing one probably tomorrow, if not tomorrow, next week on. Um, God, what is the name of that movie? Hot, Hot Fuzz. Fuzz. It's Hot time Fuzz. to talk about the political and social context of Hot Fuzz. I'm really interested in watching that movie with you specifically because it's so <laughs> fucking British. You're just going to be like 
I mean, you can't because it's on Skype, but if we were in the same room, you would have the, like, anthropology goggles staring yes. at me, <laughs> studying the British reaction in its natural yes. environment. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and at $10, you get VoIP life for every two weeks we goof off and talk for an hour plus about some shit. You usually video talk- games. Yeah, usually if you, it's like Kingdom Hearts and, like, emulation <laughs> is what, what the podcast has been these days, though it can veer into Star Trek and, you know, politics and doctor this, who and quizzes and it's for stuff where we're like you know stuff we're doing we don't prepare for it so yes um but lately it's been very very video game heavy so please look forward to that <laughs> just simply think, been gaming yeah i think that's everything so uh yeah until next time uh enjoy some video games yeah goodbye thank you for listening you will well say but don't expect to like them i that, no i'm not it's a different podcast <laughs> fuck off <laughs> Video games, now more than ever. (laughs) Shut up! This is a bit for 12 people! In a headlight, staring bleak Beer cans, deer's eyes On the asphalt Underneath our crushed plans and my lies, lonely street signs, power lines, they keep on flashing, flashing by, and we keep driving into the night. It's a late goodbye. Such a late goodbye And we keep driving into the night It's a late goodbye Your breath Hot upon my cheek And we cross that line You made me strong I was feeling weak and we crossed That one time Screaming stop signs Staring wild eyes keep on flashing Flashing by And we keep driving into the night It's a late goodbye Such a late goodbye And we keep driving into the night It's a late goodbye Such a late